adversity is a gift. We're better off today because of what we've gone through in the last 18 months. The team is better off. They're better managers. Would not be what they are today without having gone through that. Welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity, and this is episode 18 with Stephen Lombardo III. Lean in on people. Steve Three is the son of the founder of the Gibson Group. They have seven of the top 100 restaurants and the number two restaurant in America with the Boathouse in Orlando, Florida, and the Gibson flagship at number six in Chicago, Illinois. Steve is a former graduate of Georgetown University and a college baseball player, a lawyer, a founder of a wine distribution company, and now a chairman, legal counsel, and director over at the Gibson Group. Steve has been through a tough time with the pandemic and learned tons. Join us as we discuss how if there's no risk, there's no reward. The over-communication factor. Vision, leaning in on people. Team is like a family, and adversity is a gift. Join us for part one of two on the Winners Find a Way show, episode 18. Hi, this is Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity, and welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I'm welcoming my guest today, Stephen Lombardo. Stephen, say hello. Hi, guys. We're going to just call you Steve. There you go. There you go. All right. So uh, I am the CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, international speaker, entrepreneur organization member, three-time MLB World Series coach, and Stephen Lombardo is no joke right here, man. I'm super excited to talk about you, the chairman of the Gibson's Restaurant Group. Well, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Me too. Let's uh, let's get into the show. As you, if you're joining us for the first time, in the winners find a way. If you have ever faced stiff adversity, you feel like the losses are mounting. You're challenged, and there has been no challenges like this year with COVID and everything else. As we're going to get into, you came to the right place. Whether you were already an entrepreneur, athlete, business leader, or just looking to start your journey today to being elite, this is. The perfect podcast for you. So I'm glad you're with us, Steve. I want to talk a little bit about you. Before I do, tell them where they can find you, Steve, online as far as LinkedIn. Where where can we find you if they're looking for you? Uh, yeah, Stephen Lombardo, S T E P H E N uh, on LinkedIn. Um, that's actually the only social media I use. So <laughs> that's impressive, right? Because I know the Gibson Group is everywhere, right? Like, yes, we, I mean, the the restaurants have, uh, you know, Instagram, you know, Facebook. We've got presence everywhere. But uh, no, me myself, I uh, I tend to not use it very often. Very good. So uh, this is this is a conversation I've been looking forward to for a while, uh, just because, and I think our audience is too. In the in the fact that Steve, I really haven't talked to anybody who's been on the front line of a year of just quiet, like, uh, Hey, let's flip a coin. Anything goes, I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, heads, heads, we open tails. We don't, I mean, like it's so challenged. It's got to be crazy in the restaurant business and, and the, and the impact the rules, your staff, this is going to be interesting. Um, I want a few highlights. I jotted down about you as I introduced Steve Lombardo, the third, uh, yep. your, your father is, is your father, the founder of the Gibson group. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, good. And, and, and your grandfather, where'd you grow up at in Chicago? Grew up in uh, Park Ridge, just outside of Chicago. Uh, my grandfather was, um, 
know, first generation Italian American, and he was a uh, cop for the post office, a postal inspector. Yeah, that's awesome. And so your son, the second, or your father, the second, or junior, and the, did they call him junior? Yep. Or is he always the second? Uh, okay. They don't. He's he's Big Steve because Big is. Steve. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So Big Steve is uh you know the founder he decides hey i'm gonna open up a restaurant dad like uh i'm taking a risk right and man how this paid off i mean i i am you know it's amazing i i i can't get over the stat of seven independent restaurants in the top 100 in the country like and and by the way three in the top 20 right with the boathouse gil uh gibson's original like the flagship on rush and then uh, your new, I mean, one of your newer brands, Italia, like cats up, catapults right into this heavy hitter claim. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we know how to do big volume well. Yes. Not sure we know how to do small volume very well. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, Cortino, Hugo's Frog Boss, uh, I mean, Hugo's Frog Bar. Uh, you've got a number. Um, it, it's, it's incredible, some of the brands. And they're well-known. They're well-known on my circuit, you know, because in Major League Baseball, I knew about your restaurants before I knew you, right? And you and I go back, I think about 10, 12 years, right? 10, 12 years, yeah. Yeah, when we were both entrepreneur organization members in Chicago, uh, Steve owned a wine import business that was significant. Meanwhile, while you're an attorney for one of the biggest law firms in Chicago, right? Yeah. So yeah. you know how to that stay was, busy. Uh, Is that what you're saying? You're trying to stay yeah, busy? Yeah, was a, a fun night job. <laughs> fun night job. Yeah. Yeah, so we were both uh, in EO. That's where we first met. And, and back then, you know, I was regularly in Gibson's for the uh, EO uh, board meeting. So that was awesome. But right. I was regularly in Gibson's since now. Let's go back to the, you know, early, late 90s, early 2000s when we come in to play uh, in Chicago. And like Gibson's was our staple. Like you got to go out and have a good meal while you're in Chicago. So that's how I knew Gibson's. And uh, in my story this morning, well, by the way, our, our staff was very well trained to take care of all the opposing teams and keep offering them free drinks, whatever it took <laughs> to try and give the home team an advantage. Yes. I'm sure the White Sox and Cubs, they should be sending you guys all sorts of cool gifts for that. Because I do think like it, those records at home should have been a lot better for Chicago, <laughs> you know, right. for sure. Yeah, I would I would laugh because I, I recall having conversations with uh staff and team members about how, Hey, Chicago, Chicago, and I'll rest when we get to Minnesota or Cleveland, like your next stop on the, uh, <laughs> on the tour. Right. So, uh, now you, here's a, here's a fact. You, you went to Georgetown, played a little ball there and, yep. uh, you went to law school. Where did you go to law school? Uh, also Georgetown. Oh, also Georgetown. Okay. So yep. undergrad Double and law school there. Yep. Okay. And uh, so, wow, you, you've been uh, busy, busy. I love this. Um, while still in college, Steve founded a television production company, East Coast Sports Video Production. You produced a television show yeah. with Bobby Bowden, Peyton Manning. You interviewed Lou Holtz. Tell me about, a little bit about that. So it came out of a class in college. Uh, one of the kids I partnered with, he was a, video, you know, a, a big AV geek in the in the positive sense of that word and uh you know we just figured out we could get access to both the equipment the studios um all of the editing uh, machines and i was shocked when we we did this college football show that it was so easy to get access to these people you just said 
hey, we've got this show. You'd call it the sports information department. And, you know, pretty soon you had an interview. It was, it was like I, I was shocked at how easy it was to do. The hard part was selling advertising for it. And to be very frank, we didn't make money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right. We, we pulled off uh, a season worth of shows and probably lost a few, you know, a few thousand bucks. Um, but at the same time, it was a great experience. Uh, the network we were on got was well. We were on the this, the patchwork of networks that existed around the country that became Fox Sports. Um, you know, right around that time. And so when that happened, we got we got bounced. But it was a it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, it sounds it sounds amazing, right? It just sounds amazing. And um, as I'm as I'm thinking through that, it just. Uh, when I keep hearing of like you, I feel like you're like the original ESPN guy. Like you know, it was just starting, and you know, you probably could have made a run in a network, right? Well, how about this? Uh, we had as our our sort of on-site interviewing reporter. She was going to join us. Was Melissa Stark? She got hired by ESPN about two weeks after we did our pilot. <laughs> yeah, I remember Melissa Stark well. Like she was, uh, she's had a long career in the business. I mean, she's, she's been great. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, here, I, here's a fun fact about Steve Lombardo that I love. And most people don't know this about you, that you were the bat boy for the longest game in major league baseball history. Tell us a Correct. little bit about that. So it was one of those honorary positions where, you know, you win a raffle at some event or, or whatnot, and you get to go for one game, right? And you just sit on the side, and there's a real bad boy who does everything. Uh, it was the White Sox versus the Brewers in 1984, and it was uh, Tom Seaver was pitching for the White Sox that year. Uh, the game went, I think, like 22 innings, but it went, from a time, time standpoint, went seven-plus hours. Uh, it went to the, uh, the major league um, curfew, and then uh, started over the next day. And I didn't get to go back the next day, but that day, that evening, it got so late and everyone was so tired. You know, what was an honorary position became a real position because they were just like, ah, just go out there. You know, and so I was out there on the field as a nine-year-old running around and it was fun, a lot of fun. And one of the reasons Gibson's really took off back when we first opened was uh, the, uh, the Bolts used to come in uh, after their home games uh, during their championship run. The restaurant opened in 89 and, uh, you know, Bulls run went from 91 through 98. And uh, they got it in their head as almost superstition that they would um, come into the uh, restaurant after each home game. And so they would have tables all around the restaurant. They would come in around 11, 12 p.m. Uh, Rodman always had the back giant table with uh, a lot of celebrities. Uh, you know, you'd have... Uh, uh, you know, RuPaul and Eddie Vedder and uh, Billy Corgan in, in, at a table. Um, Michael Jordan had the front corner table that was right on the street that was visible from the corner windows. Everyone could see him, but nobody could touch him. Uh, and, you know, Scottie Pippen would have a table and, uh, you know, uh, Ron Harper would have a table. It was, uh, it, it was great. The, uh, players and the, the, the fans would just come after the game. We'd end up having the restaurant open till two in the morning because they would come after the game. So they wouldn't even start till 11 o'clock. Um, all, all good stuff. One of the reasons why Gibson's uh, really became well-known as a place to, to go. Um, I like to think that 
the service that we provided, the food that we provided was part of it. But, you know, getting that notoriety from uh, Phil Jackson and the rest of the players uh, really, really helped. Trent and I go back, uh, you know, he was a ball player. I was a baseball player. So we, we connected almost immediately. I probably wasn't as good as he was, uh, though I did play on a Division One team. I rarely ever saw the field. Um, you know, it was, a, it was still a great experience, the discipline of being a baseball player at the collegiate level, uh, learning how to uh, manage your time, spend, uh, you know, hours off the, on and off the field uh, with the team while you're still balancing a pretty hefty scholastic load. Uh, it was a great experience. Um, but Trent and I, you know, when we first met each other, we found out we were both baseball guys. We just, we connected right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, to get into a little bit about what we did this last year in, in terms of adversity, um, this was probably the single most difficult year that our company has ever faced. Um, you know, I came into the business about six years ago. Uh, the brand had been established. Um, you know, my father and, and the, his, his partner, who's now since retired, Hugo, uh, and you know, the, the team that they built uh, had created a great brand. And, you know, I was, came in to help take it on to the next level, to grow it. Uh, and then we got this, this, we got hit with a ton of bricks. Wow. Uh, yep. You were telling the story. About this last year and how the adversity of this last year, just leading up to it, um, was the single most difficult year we've ever faced. Uh, I think this is just getting right into the meat of the yeah. podcast, right? So, yes. um, you know, May 13th, March 13th, excuse me, March 12th or March 11th is when the NBA shut down. Yep. Um, March 13th is a Friday, Friday the 13th. Yep. And I spent the day going around to our different restaurants and probably spoke to three or four of them. We have pre-shift. Pre-shift is the meeting with the, the, all the staff before, you know, the dinner service or the lunch service. Uh, and usually it's to just kind of refresh on a few key you know, leadership points uh, or, or service points. And then, you know, it's, it's a rah-rah, you know, go out and kick some ass and, you know, yeah. show them, you know, show the customer what we're about. Um, I go to a bunch of them and I talk, tell them, I said, listen, you know, we're in a good position. We're a financially strong company. Don't worry. Uh, we're going to be okay. We haven't been shut down yet, by the way. At this yeah, point, right. I, don't even, right. I don't even think that's a possibility. I, it doesn't even cross my mind to talk about a failure of imagination. I did not. This is three, day, three days before it happened. Yeah. I didn't think shutting us down was even, it was even legal to do. Okay. Yep. Um, and so uh, I'm reassuring them that we're going to be open. Maybe we'll be able to reduce capacity. Maybe this or that, you know, maybe demand's going to be down. Customers won't be coming in, but we'll, we'll be okay. Um, fast forward to Sunday. I'm with a group of, um, there's a Chicago uh, or an Illinois, excuse me, the Illinois Restaurant Association is a, is a you know, lobbying group, a uh, yeah. industry group, association. And, you know, I'm part of the executive committee there. And uh, there's, you know, maybe four or five of us who are given an audience with uh, a telephone, you know, conference call with the governor um, on that Sunday. And we're making the case on why we're, we're a critical industry, why it's, you know, there's people who can't feed themselves. They have to use restaurants. Uh, you know, we need to stay open. 
yada, yada, yada. And we get on the phone and we don't get even a chance to speak. It's I'm shutting you guys down. I'm giving you till uh, Tuesday, which is St. Patrick's day. Uh, I'm giving you till Tuesday and um, the uh, that's a deplete your inventory and whatnot. And then it, it, you can carry out only. And we were, Illinois was the first state to shut down. Um, so, you know, the first thing I did was call my wife. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, you might want to go to the grocery store. He's announcing this in an hour. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. There's going to be a run on groceries, right? Yeah, uh, right. Probably toilet paper too. And yeah. so, um, yeah, and then had to uh, tell our people, you know, we recorded an announcement um, to the company because because of COVID, because we're so widespread, um, you know, we had 2,200 employees going into this and explained to them, yes, we're going to have to lay people off. We laid off like 90% of our people. Mm-hmm. Hardest conversation I ever had to have, um, even though it was recorded, <laughs> you know, like this, like what we're doing now. Yeah. And, um, you know, afterwards I was just depleted. I mean, it was like I had gone 15 rounds with the champ and just gotten my ass kicked in. Um, I, I just can't describe how awful that was. Um, we paid our people for two weeks. Um, you know, and you know, I, I had already gotten some advanced knowledge about the pay, the payroll protection program. Um, being a lawyer, you know, I grabbed the draft legislation. I was reviewing it, reading it, see what, what applied to us, how much we could get. I started telling my bankers, uh, about the program. And in fact, the banker, our, my relationship guys had no idea about it and started telling them about it. You got to get involved in this. This is what's going to happen. So Wintrust is, was our primary banker, Wintrust and Fifth Third, but Wintrust ended up creating a whole committee of people and delved into it. And they became one of the largest PPP lenders in the country because of that. Um, they did a phenomenal job. Fifth Third, Third did as well. Uh, but you know, at, when, when the time came to apply, I was at the front of the line. And mm. it was one of those where um, I did have reservations or doubts about taking government money. Uh, it's really against my ethos. But yep. I came to the conclusion that the government shut us down. And I had 2,200 people whose livelihoods, I mean, not livelihoods, their, their families, their rent checks, their food bills were dependent on us. So yep. when, when it did come time to apply, I was at the front of the line. I left nothing to chance. They opened up the portal. I had my stuff in, in like, you know, I, I, do you remember get, trying to get concert tickets as a kid where you hit the phone and, and you know, <laughs> hang up, redial, you know, pick yeah. up again, you know, wait, pick up, redial, and then wait for the busy signal and do it again and wait. Well, so, you know, 20 minutes before the portal opened, I did that with the, the web, just refreshing my page, refreshing my page. Yeah. You know, it opened seven minutes before the time. I got all my stuff in before, you know, so we got money. We brought everyone back, except we couldn't get everyone back. This is funny. Yeah. Go ahead. I think that's a big deal. Like, you know, as you talk about getting ahead of it and, and like the law, the law background coming into seeing it, like seeing what's possible and what's available. I always like to tell leaders, you know, and, and a lot of people don't get this. When you own a business, you make decisions for four for every person because 
this is their livelihood, right? This is what supports their family. This is what puts food on the table. So yep. when, and I was going to ask you how many employees, so you talk about 2,200, that's a decision for 8,800 folks, right? Yeah. Kids that got, you know, you got tuition payments, you got, you know, the school, you got grades, you got clothes, you got everything comes into this and gas for the car to get them where they need to be in a bus pass and everything else. I mean, everything is centered around our occupation and what it is. So all of a sudden, that decision's huge. So, so you are amped up, ready to provide for your people. You know, I love that. The concert ticket. I, I totally appreciate that. I can totally remember that moment. I can just see you on your computer refreshing, refreshing. So um, what tell me about tell me about Big Steve. I mean, he's been through some oh. things, right? Like when we talk about leaders. So, so here's about, here's the other, yeah. yeah. So here's the other interesting thing. So he's at the time he's 77 years old. He has not retired, still hasn't retired. Um yeah. You know, he's the driving force behind this company, um, yep. created it 30 something years ago, has been in the restaurant and bar business for 50, over 50 years, um, knows mm -hmm. the restaurant hospitality business as good as anybody in the United States. Um, I would put him in one of the top five operators up there with like the Danny Myers of the world. I mean, he knows mm -hmm. his business. He knows what customers want. So, um, Another funny aside. So March 13th, I'm, I give all these pre-shifts. I'm at all the restaurants. I don't get home till late. I get home at like 1130. Um, and I text a close friend of mine who I grew up with, who at that point in time is the secretary of the army of the United States. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I text him and I say, um, I had a hell of a day. I can't imagine how yours must have been right, know, right. thousand times worse. So you want to talk a multiple of four. He has 3 million people underneath him. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Affecting, affecting 12 million. Right. Yes. And that's the reality uh, of the deal. And affecting literally almost every corner of the globe. Right. Yeah. So, right. Right. Um, Much I ask him, I, I, he says, Oh, I text him, you know, how was, how was your day? Mine was brutal. I can't imagine how yours was. He goes, I hope your parents are up at their, vacation home. And I just picked up the phone and called him. I said, okay. I, Cause I had been reading a little bit about COVID. Yeah, I tried yeah. to find as much, you know, and I was getting some of the stuff out of China. Now you can't trust the stuff out of China necessarily, but you know, okay. It's affecting older people. It doesn't seem to be affecting younger people. It doesn't seem to be affecting women. Yeah. Uh, the early um, words. Yeah. Pregnant, the women, early pregnant stuff. women. Right. Yeah. So, uh, he goes through, he's, I've had my guys, all my, all my scientists and doctors in the army have been working on this for the last six weeks. So kind of mid January or late January. And he's like, if you're over 80 years old, it's a death sentence. He's like, you got to get your father up to the lake house now. And he said, tell him if, and we've been trying to convince him to go but for the last week. We're like, it seems a little, you know, and he's like, nah, whatever. Um, he goes, tell your father, if he doesn't go, I'm sending an armed escort. Now, would he have really done that? And could yeah, he have yeah, done, right, right, right. done that? Yeah. But it, it was the threat that, that got my father yeah. to do. So I texted my father that night and I texted all my family members. Like, this is what's going on. You and mom need to leave like tomorrow morning. They, they live in the city. I live in the North suburbs. So they have to drive by my house. I said, we'll buy a bunch of groceries, pack it up for you. You'll just come in. We'll load the car. And uh, you go up there. So he's out of pocket during this entire, I mean, he's there for five months, four months, five months. So he is totally absent and he's been the guy and he's, 
said, Hey, you know, you're here to replace me, but when I'm ready, you know, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. letting go slowly over the years. And he's been letting go of certain, you know, responsibilities and things, but at the same time, um, he is just one of those, you know, in a family business, he's one of those yeah. guys. He's not interested in retiring. That's not yeah. who he is. Right. And you've got, and you've got other family members involved, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so it is like, Hey, so now whether you liked it or not, this is now the fire drill to say, Hey, succession is what we planned. Now yeah. it's in order, whether we like it or not, right? Like it's Correct. happening. And, Correct. and now we got to go. And I think what other people may not know too, is that, uh, this is four days before, uh, uh, St. Patrick's day, which in Chicago Correct is a very different deal. Like St. Patrick's Day in Chicago is like everywhere else on steroids St. Patrick's Day because right. it is, you know, Green River and it is, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions, sweep into downtown Chicago anytime around that holiday, both before the weekend and the weekend after, right? Like this is right. a, almost a week-long event. Right. So that's that. And that's, that's what the governor cited is the reason for the shutdown was that Everyone went out and partied like rock stars on the 15th, that Saturday or 14th. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, he, he just, he didn't trust, he didn't trust the people to behave accordingly. So amazing. Um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but so, yeah. So during this whole, you know, not every, you know, obviously it lasted a year and a half, um, but um, for the first four or five months, he was totally gone now available by phone, but it's just not the same thing. So, yeah. Um, so we get, we get PPP money. Yeah. Right? We br try and bring everyone back. We get 90% of them. 10% have Great. just disappeared. We, we, yeah. we were closed or we, we didn't have them on the payroll for two weeks and we lost 10% of our people because they went home to Mexico or they went to go to their parents' yeah. house in Ohio or California. Yeah. Or take your pick. And we, we couldn't get them back. Take uh, care of their loved ones. You know, they're in a panic correct. too, right? Like, correct. I don't know, but I got to get my parents to safety or whatever it is. Exactly right. Exactly sure. right. So, um, you know, we also told the people in our organization who are, you know, of a certain age or older, just told them, don't, don't come in. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, and someone took it up the wrong way initially. And they're like, I, I had one of, one of our uh, managers who has worked with my father for decades and he said, you don't want me here anymore. I said, I want you here. I want you alive more. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, there's legal risk in doing that. There was legal yeah. risk in doing that. And I, I didn't care. I did not care. You know, yeah. um, I had another friend of mine who was a CEO who had uh, one of his employees, two of his employees who, who died of COVID relatively early, mm. uh, you know, in that March, April timeframe. And I was like, I'm not letting that happen. Yeah. Okay. Not on my watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, a, you know, that's another thing with Steve's network, right? The Young Presidents Organization is a deep one and long one and, you know, all the, and then that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Tell me about, as you're going through this fire drill, right, yeah. uh, of facing this, um, so how does, how does the team react without Big Steve? And how does Big Steve react being like, as a man who's always on the go and do it, do it, do it, like he's a, he's a He's a get stuff done guy, right? Like he's got his yep. doctorate in GSD, right? And yep. all of a sudden he's at the cabin. Like, I know he could do three days at the cabin, but like four months. I mean, yeah. Oh, he, how's he, went, he doing? He was going insane. He yeah, went, right. Okay. I mean, you know, obviously we're, we're on the phone quite a bit. 
um, during the period, but you know, he's not a technology guy, so mm-hmm. he can't participate in zooms. I mean, so, you know, during this period, we, we are, we are able to do carry out. So we've got people in the restaurants. Yeah. Um, we're not allowing customers in the restaurants other than just to pick up food. Um, yeah. we have, we're paying people even though they're not working. So yeah. we did a, we did a, um, vocational survey and found out what skills people had and if they had something that was at all useful, we tried to figure out, you know, can you paint? Can you fix yeah. furniture? Can you do like the restaurants are, are closed. There's all sorts of stuff you want to do that you never have time to do. And we tried to do a lot of those things. I think we yes. did a decent job of it. I feel like from an administrative standpoint, it took us a little longer to get going and then I would have liked, but we still got a lot of things done and, you know, prettied up the restaurant some fixed some things, did some projects that had, you know, needed to be doing from a technology side or learning side. Um, but, uh, yeah, he is, he's going crazy and just, he just needs updates. I mean, that's all he can do is, is I'm telling him what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm walking around, I'm making a point, you know, this, I was on a, I think I told you this the other day, I was on a, uh, a panel with about five other CEOs or and they were talking about when to bring people back to work. And I said, guys, after they had 10 minutes of hemming and hawing and maybe July 4th, maybe Labor Day, I just said, guys, enough. And there was a manufacturing CEO there too. And I said, we've been back since the very beginning. I said, my people have been in front of customers since the very beginning, you know, a thousand people a day. So, you know, enough, like stop. I'm just, I got tired. You can do it. Like you can do it. You can do it with safety and you can do it right. There's a right way to do it. And you've, you've kind of got the formula and, and proved it could work. Yeah. So I did a few days working from home early on and my wife got real sick of me real fast. (laughs) And, uh, but no, I I made it a point that that's, that's just a joke. The real, the reality is, is if my people are going to be in the restaurant, I better be there. Yeah. I made sure I was going around to every place and yeah. helping out a little bit here and there, but I can't do what these guys do. So, I, I mean, I can help a little bit, but the reality is it's more for morale, right? So let's talk about this real quick. A couple of the lessons coming out of this. I mean, you're down, but yeah. upskill immediately. Like, hey, you, you know, we've always talked about doing stuff on a rainy day. I guess it's raining. And, and when, when do we ever have this chance where we don't have anyone in this main part of the, the restaurant where, we would have to shut down for two weeks to do this and lose all that revenue. Now's our chance. So boom, we jump on that and we jump on, Hey, how do I put my skills and my assets to work? Because I've got a bunch of people who are great in the restaurant business, but they're great at other stuff too. And they can help. And and they're willing because you've built that culture of team from the word go with the Gibson group and they know like they're they're a part of the gibson family and and they know like hey how do you how do you keep the family moving right yep some of them i mean some of them needed they needed to work right i mean certain people just needed to be out there and being productive and feel like they were doing something right right. sitting at home that i mean you know we all know about the mental health health issues that this whole situation's created so yes. there was there was some of that, and there were people who didn't want to work, right? There's people yeah. who wanted to stay at home. Fear, scared, yeah, I'm worried Fear about it. Yeah, a hundred reasons. They they the kids were home, right? The kids were yeah. not in school, so there was there was a lot of that. But um, so you know, wanted to make sure that you know we we were able to the PPP though was 
only for another eight weeks at that point in time. Yes. So we used it for what it was supposed to be used for, and then it ran out, and then we had to lay everybody off again. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that time, it was some sort of possible reopening. So, you know, we didn't have to let go everybody like we did before, but it was, um, you know, it, it was rough. Uh, we made sure that we paid people's, you know, even though, even if they were laid off and we weren't paying the salary, we were paying for their health care, right? And, you, and you're doing creative outdoor dining, right? Right. Well, we're not there yet. We're not even there oh, yet. Oh, sorry. We're not even there yet. We're yeah. not even there yet. Um, so Chicago's still closed. And so, you know, we're just trying to make sure we're taking care of our people. Um, then we finally get open and we get to do outdoor dining. And outdoor dining is, you know, they, they, they have all these rules that they've changed multiple times over the course of the last 12 months. You can be outside. Okay, that's great. Um, we annexed some space uh, on Rush Street. We were able to get the street closed. Um, we were able to, uh, in one of our locations in the suburbs, we got a bunch of space out in a lot that was next to the, the building. Um, and we created some stuff where there, where there were no seats before, right? Um, and then they had these rules where if you were inside but within eight feet of an open window, that counted as outside. Or you're on a roof deck, an enclosed roof deck with the roof open, that counted as outside. So we, you know, we got to be able to do some stuff. And Chicago, I mean, talk about better being lucky than good. We had a we had probably three things going into this that we got well, two things going in and one just happenstance that we got lucky. We had set up our third party delivery DoorDash. Um, you know, in November, December before COVID hit. So yeah. that infrastructure was there. Thank God. Yes. Um, and we had worked out most of the kinks by that point. Uh, the second thing is we have, and this is intentional, um, but we have very little debt. We had a pretty strong um, cash reserves. You know, my father's always wanted to save cash for that hundred year storm, but hundred year storm hit. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, where we were also very fortunate is last summer, for whatever reason, happens to be the best summer for outside dining in the history of, you know, probably my father being in the business. Uh, Every day is beautiful. There's no rain. It's terrible for the plants, but it's great for for outdoor (laughs) dining. And it stays, it not only lasts, it lasts till like the first week of November. That's unheard yeah. of in Chicago. So we got yeah. five months of solid or four and a half, five months of solid weather. And we actually made money at some of the restaurants during that time, even though we weren't total. I mean, we lost money at some of the restaurants and we lost our shirts the three months, you know, of March, April, May. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was great. And then November came and just coinciding with the weather, the city shut us down again because mm-hmm. they had expanded some indoor access. Uh, they shut us down again. So November, December, uh, January, we're just, we hemorrhaged, hemorrhaged, yeah. money, you know, and we yep. had to let people go again. And it, it was just, I mean, it was a yo-yo. Uh, it, yep. was, it was tough. The, the sad thing is by the, by the fourth round of layoffs, you know, it's not as tough, you know, and, yeah. and that's a sad thing, right? Cause you're, it, it, it's no different. You're still dealing with people's lives. But, you know, yeah. you've done it four or five times in a, in a 12-month period, and it just becomes just another day, unfortunately. Yeah. 
know? Well, and, and the challenge is, is that there's probably solace. I mean, I find solace. I, I don't want to speak out of school. There's some solace in the fact that I'm not even making this decision for you, right? Like someone else is making this decision because yeah. if I had my druthers, there's no way I'm letting you go and shutting you down. But now, you know, under no control of my own, they're shutting us down and I have no options. I am out of options. That's, that's exactly right. It was, and the uncertainty of it, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, we wouldn't have survived without the PPP. There, there's, there's no chance. But if, if we knew that we were going to be where we are today, I, I feel like maybe we could have done a little more. But the uncertainty was, you know, I, I say that. And at that being said, I, I wanted to also say that you know, in addition to paying for people's health coverage, in addition to providing them meals that they could take home for them and their families, we did a lot. We created a, a relief fund for the employees. We did all sorts of stuff to help take care of them. But at some point it was, there's got to be a business for them to come back to. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, um, you know, that, that's the reality because if not, then now it's instead of, you know, 50% of those 2,200 people are out of work. It's hundred percent of those 22 people are out of work. Thank you for joining us for another winners find a way show. I am your host, Trent Clark. If you love this episode, share this episode with your friends and Follow us on whatever podcasting medium you're listening to. If you want more content from us, join us at leadershipity.com or the Leadershipity YouTube channel. You can find us on all the social media networks at either Trent M. Clark or Leadershipity. For our award-winning workshop, Win With Great Teams, you can find that page on LinkedIn as well as our corporate page, Leadershipity. If you want to win more it starts with you today. Say it with me now. I have what it takes.